0: Hello, and welcome to Narratives, the podcast where each episode we examine how neuroscience is depicted in a work of fiction and talk about the real-world science behind it. I'm Stephen Ho, and with me is Nick Halper. Hello, Stephen. Uh, I'm just going
1: to apologize up front for continuously derailing our planned uh, episode schedule.
0: We weren't going to do this, uh, but it came out on Netflix last week, so now we're doing it. Yes, so um, let me relate to the viewer the story of how we came to this. And I'm going to pull up my text messages right now. So I'm sitting on a plane to Amsterdam. I I don't remember how far in. It was some amount in. And you just texted me. There is a brand new Netflix movie called Jung that is about consciousness and brain transfer. I'm cool with our current plan, but just letting you know in case we want to do a new release popular movie. And... I was like kind of loopy and I think I'd had like two glasses of wine on the flight already. So I'm just like, and I quote, fuck it. Let's pivot. <laughs> Jungy instead of Lucy, I can watch it on the plane back to the U S. Well, as it turns out, I didn't watch it on the plane back to the U.S. I watched it like Sunday it's Wednesday today. And then again on like 1.5 speed, which I'll talk about this more later, but I liked it better on 1.5 speed. Uh, I feel like it'd be extremely unnerving on 1.5 speed, but I didn't watch it like that. So I'll <laughs> take your word for it. Well, a second time. Yeah, well, <laughs> but here we are. We're watching jung Yeah. So what is Jung-hee? is a Korean movie released in 2023, directed and written by Yeon Song-ho. Another thing that he has directed that I have heard of, but have not seen. Uh, but although it's been on my like immensely long, I should watch that list
1: mm-hmm.
0: trained to busan
1: yeah popular
0: and so i've heard that that is excellent and very good so when i saw that this guy directed it and directed jung Y, I i was like okay well sure let's 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 do that
1: and it makes sense that we like have a successful like director for this this was like a like so so this show was released on netflix um but it is no like small budget streaming platform release it has a sizable budget behind it like It's a big movie.
0: Yeah, its visual effects are, they're pretty good. Like there's a few frames here and there that like don't integrate all that well. But uh, overall, the visual effects are pretty smooth and pretty good. Mm -hmm. I mean, overall, as a movie, my thought after finishing it was, wow, this would have been a great Black Mirror episode. (laughs) <laughs> I, I think it like in my opinion i think it was a little too long and they tried to cram in just a little too much and it didn't all fit together There's sort of like four major like threads and ideas and like and like two maybe two and a half of them kind of get fleshed out in a satisfying way
1: yeah some of the like main and we'll get into them like ethical questions or kind of like thought provoking things they try to do some of them kind of land and some of them seem to like fizzle out or like morph in the movie in a way that like makes them feel a little bit unsatisfying in my opinion.
0: Yeah. And I agree. And so I think if this had been like a black mirror episode where they kind of focused on one of those aspects or, you know, one and a half of those aspects, it would have been more successful. Maybe that's why I liked it better on 1.5 speed. Cause at 1.5 speed, it's about an hour and that's about mm-hmm. the, about the length of a black mirror episode.
1: Yeah. Uh, and uh, to be kind of clear about like the theme of this movie or like what type of movie it is. The reason it is as long as it is, is because like a good third of this movie is like fight scenes.
0: <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. At least <laughs> those fight scenes kind of slap if I'm being completely honest, but they also are like out of place with another good 20% of the movie, which is like this heartfelt, you know, heartbreaking family drama.
1: Yeah. Yep. There's a weird undercurrent there. And then <laughs> there are some strange characters in this movie that take up some screen time
0: oh my yes so like some of the characters like that are a little bit over the top they they're very much tonally at odds with the rest of this movie and also one of two things is true either koreans laugh in a very different way than americans sound when laughing Mm -hmm. or none of these (laughs) actors know how to laugh in a natural sounding manner (laughs) One of those two things has <laughs> to be true. I, mean,
1: <laughs> I agree. I I've, I've, I feel like I've heard Koreans laugh before, but maybe I'm misremembering. <laughs> As you're like trying to tiptoe through this landmine and not get canceled. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's the end of my commentary. <laughs> I will say that everybody in this show is like very weird. The most like normal people in this show are like the background actors and stuff. Like you see them, and they are like normal citizens of society, and like every main actor in the show is just like an extremely strange person in one way or
0: another. Yes, pretty much. Uh, and and there's like two actual characters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Of any consequence in this in this movie. Any other like um, high level like thoughts that we want to cover or um, anything?
1: Uh, no, I think we'll get to them as we go through. All it. right,
0: cool. So uh, before we move on to the uh, bulk of the episode here, uh, I do want to address the the uh, passing of Dr. Krishna Shanoi recently, as of as of recording. Krishna Shanoi was a legend of the brain computer interface uh, field, professor at. Stanford University, uh, involved in many, many um, human brain-computer interface trials as well as um, an extensive body of work in motor control and neuroprosthetics in non-human primates. And we throw out maybe the term legend kind of casually, but um, in some ways that kind of understates how important uh, Krishna Shinoi was to the field of brain-computer interfaces.
1: Yeah, I mean, his work really was fundamental to a lot of the modern work happening, not just even in motor, but throughout basically like neurostimulation and uh, recording capabilities as well. What he worked on really, I think, like paved the way uh, for a lot of people to be able to do the work they do today. Yeah, uh, which is also like saying something in a way because Krishna is was relatively young. He did a lot of work in a lot of really great ways and had a huge influence uh, outsized influence, really for how long he's been
0: around. And I think a lot of that is reflected in, in what his mentees have gone on to do. You could fill a BCI company's full scientific advisory board just with his mentees that have gone on to uh, hold faculty positions and start their own BCI programs and do BCI trials as well. And another thing, I think more than anything, is also just on a personal level, uh, Krishna Shanoi was an exceptionally good person and nice person.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was completely and, like, truly kind. This is, like, not just seen in how he interacts, like, with others in the field on a professional level, but really this is just this, like, personal level. And you can see it just in the way, like how he takes each like conversation and care and how he like thought of and like thought about others, um, including
0: like mentees and people he didn't know. Well, yes. uh, He, he was very nice to people that really have no reason being treated that nicely by a researcher of his stature, including uh, you know, a junior employee of his electrophysiology research equipment vendor. You can't see this (laughs) audience. I'm pointing to myself right now. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, we're, very sorry to have lost him uh, when but um, you know he's did amazing work and um, you know through through uh, the alumni of his alumni of his lab and mentees and the body of work that has already existed you know it's it, it all speaks for itself definitely and also uh, again not all researchers of that stature are like that <clears throat> Oh, my God. (laughs) I'm going to bleep that out. It'll be fine. No one will ever know. No one will ever know. Uh,
1: And for a major uh, tonal pivot, let's talk about this fight
0: scene BCI movie. (laughs) Okay. So we start off with opening text. Okay. So in case it wasn't obvious before, this is a Korean movie. All All the actors are Korean. All the dialogue is in Korean. Everything is in subtitles.
1: Unless Netflix, for some reason, defaulted to dub for you, which I will talk about later. <laughs> oh, wait, you you watched the dub? No. <laughs> I watched 10 minutes of the dub and then I
0: rewound it and watched it in Korean. <laughs> okay. I, I'm I'm actually very weirdly curious about the dub now because, you know, in the anime community, there's like sort of like, snobbery around dubs sometimes Mm -hmm. but the thing is like well done dubs are are a completely valid way to watch a foreign language film yeah the problem is dubs are just a lot harder in live action than they are in animation
1: certainly yeah that makes sense
0: (laughs) okay well i'm gonna go check out what like uh, 10 minutes of that dub after this but for now we start off with our opening text climate change has caused humanity to migrate to orbital shelters at this point you know what i'm thinking i'm thinking wow this sounds a lot like every Gundam-like series that I've ever mm. watched. And then it proceeds to the next part. Three of the orbital shelters declare war on the rest of humanity and Earth. I'm like, oh, this is exactly like every Gundam series that has ever existed. <laughs> it, it, it's either like orbital, orbital colonies or it's like Mars. Yeah, su- sure. This is, it's a trope. Yes and and that is fine I, I i am not criticizing i'm just telling you what i thought at the mo in the moment
1: well the weird i mean not to like spoil this movie but this whole trope also was like does not matter
0: no not even a little bit it could have been like you know the north and south korea or something you know like it any yeah. any conflict involving two large nation states would have done
1: yeah it pretty much any point or like at any place anytime in the future <laughs> like yes. All would have been valid for everything that happens in this movie. And uh, they recognize this as well, because you'll see as this movie is filmed, like
0: the total number of locations this movie is like two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, they blew all their mo- money on the uh, opening visual effects of the f- opening fight. <laughs> like It's like, oh, oh, <laughs> we can't have another set. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so. These rebel shelters call themselves the Adrian Republic. This is not elaborated on in the least. Nope. We don't even really know who they are. I mean, like, there's no... We basically don't interact with the Adrian Republic in any way. Everything we see is on the other side. And so this conflict is called the Adrian Civil War, and it has been apparently raging for decades. So there we have our scene set for the opening... um, set piece action set piece
1: which is just a really cool action set <laughs> like i don't know how else to describe it it's yeah. fun it yeah, has it's... weird robots
0: yeah like well this i mean it goes on for like 10 minutes and it and it and it slaps like it is a lone female soldier fighting off dozens and dozens of robots using every weapon available to her her knife her guns plural her every limb grappling hook yes <laughs> This this fight is sick. Um, and so this, this lone soldier is Captain Yung Jungyi, And I also apologize in advance for any butchering of Korean pronunciation. I, I am not Korean. So, you know, she's making progress. And I don't remember. I don't know. They're, she's trying to achieve an objective. It, it kind of doesn't matter. It's something about a fuel rod. Yeah. She's trying to do a thing. And she's seemingly making progress. And then this giant friggin' like quadrupedal tank that looks like basically like, Have you played Horizon Zero Dawn? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay, you know. (laughs) It's like the cat, it's like the big cat thing with a gun on its back. It's basically like that.
1: Yeah, except it also has wheels on the end of its legs. Yes. And that makes it move so weird throughout this whole scene.
0: Yes, very much so. So it shows up and then she fights it and it's awesome. And at some point it like she gets shot by it in her hand, and her hand is bionic. Dun dun dun
1: it's weird because at first it kind of seems like she reacts to her, like her mind is blown by seeing the fact that she has a bionic hand. And then she kind of just like freezes up. And then we realize that the whole thing was in a, some sort of simulator. Yes.
0: <laughs> this simulator is also actually like cool as hell.
1: Yeah. It, it's like, I don't know what you'd call this like vague pseudo future tech. Like it, it doesn't try to explain or show how it works in any way, but it's like very cool. <laughs> I, it's basically like a series of rods that come out of the floor and kind of like mimic physical interaction at mm-hmm. like virtually projected or like hologrammed
0: surfaces. It's 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 interesting. So it's revealed that she is in a simulator and she is a robot. This first shot, like she freezes, her eyes kind of like glaze over and flash gray, and that'll be a cue that repeats throughout the movie. And so she's in a simulator being monitored for combat performance and through the dialogue of the scientists monitoring her in like the uh i don't know mission control or whatever like houston central whatever big monitors and like lots of banks of consoles based on the dialogue between those scientists you know she's doing quite well but she can never really seem to finish the mission frustratingly
1: right and this is like some sort of like X trial like she's done this a bunch of times and it keeps getting stuck at the same point
0: Scientists download her data and escort the android to a room where like her torso is kind of separated from her legs and undocked from her legs and and her um, arms are sort of like taken off. And so she's just this disembodied torso. And then, you know, kind of shot kind of pans out and shown like she's it's part she's part of a mass assembly like line. And there's dozens more like this droid, which to me is kind of weird
1: a little bit. Uh, just because like they're still testing it, and it's like not working, but I guess they can do like a software update later Thats <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. the theme,
0: yeah, well, yeah, like, okay, so spoilers they destroy her body. It's a good point. why why though? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> if anything, it's they like take out her brain and then destroy her body, and they're like, all right, on to the next one, stick the brain in the next one. If anything, you'd think it would be the other way around
1: yeah yeah exactly it's all kind of doesn't make sense (laughs) i feel like we say that a lot in
0: this (laughs) podcast
1: yeah but this like doesn't make sense for a different reason right like it's just like it's almost like a goof of some kind just like the the premise doesn't make sense but the the actors in the show even comment on it because one of the guys
0: is like ah such a waste that we destroy them every time (laughs) it's like what so we move to the next scene where uh, some scientists are inspecting some catering, including a a fish where they're like, it's the fresh fish of the day. And it's like this terrifying, like mutated fish. It's hilarious. It's the only reason I included this detail, because this like interlude scene matters not even a little bit. No. <laughs> so uh, the lab director named uh, Sang Hoon is presenting the latest results and data to a bunch of military types. Uh the presentation begins with a recap of the opening text it's like literally like verbatim and you're you're just like wait why are you telling me this again but it's in like the news montage disaster trope style
1: yeah but the people that are being pre- like this is
0: a funny scene because the people being presented to are like i've already seen this before please fast forward <laughs> yes like we've been fighting this war for like 40 years like literally us like why are you telling me this <laughs> So the scientists work for a company named Chronoid who has been developing an android using the neural data of a deceased, highly accomplished, very decorated war hero mercenary, the aforementioned Yoon jung who we have seen doing in the opening uh, action set piece. So as it turns out, that simulation and set piece is a recreation of her final mission where she was grievously wounded and failed to succeed in her mission. And she has been kept in a coma with her neuro profile turned into this Android program called Jung underscore capital E. So so this is going to get a little confusing. So I think what I'm going to do from this point forward, I'm going to try and call the robot Jung E. And when I'm talking about the person person, I guess I'll call her Captain Jung.
1: I like it. Okay. Feels right. Cool. Uh, By the way, this is the scene when you meet Song Hoon. Uh, where you say, ah, I'm watching the dub version and I didn't even really pay attention. And it is extremely clear to me now. <laughs> and that's when you rewind. <laughs> because what? the voice actor for Sung Moon is, I I, I feel bad saying this, but it's like literally unbearable. <laughs> like, <laughs> it is the most like ridiculous, overblown, like melodramatic, like, poorly voiced poorly nuanced voice i've like ever heard
0: <laughs> it's insane i mean okay so you say melodramatic but like song we'll see he's i i recognize this <laughs>
1: <laughs> pretty over the top yeah, this is his character and this is also why this voice actor is like this but it's like it's just like a multiplier on his already like because even in in the um, subtitled version, like he is still extreme, mm-hmm. but like
0: <laughs> in the dub version, it's so much. Okay, well, I'm I will check out this opening this scene in the dub like when we're done here, because I I'm I'm just curious now. <laughs> so in all of this, the generals just like do not care, like not not even a little bit. But, you know, undeterred, Song Hoon uh, turns the technical part of the presentation over to another scientist who explains that Jung Yi's combat profile is created from, was created from a brain state during her final mission, and they bra- monitor the brain state during simulations and the regions that activate during the combat simulation. And they have been refining their combat AI through iterative simulation. And so the goal is that they will create a super soldier AI that will finally win the war against the Adrian Adrian Republic. Again, the generals just don't care. Yeah, they... Can we take an
1: aside here to talk about this actress also? This film was this actress's last movie. Mm-hmm. In fact, she died shortly after it's filming due to a brain hemorrhage. Kind of intense and sad and also
0: oddly... Relevant to the movie? Very yes. strange. Yeah, there's a little memorial card for her, like, in memory uh, at the end of the movie, before the credits, yes.
1: But she is the most normal person. So despite, like, her presenting this information to the generals, she at least presents it in, like, a very, um, at least, com- like, compelling and, like, put together sort of way. But it's still, like, generally not convincing.
0: Yeah, I mean, the generals are like, well... Why are you creating this combat AI off of this failed mission? Because if that mission had succeeded, we wouldn't be having this conversation. We'd have won the war, you know, 40 years ago or whatever. And In response to that, she, like, doubles down and reemphasizes
1: that they are just pulling the combat data from her. Which kind of has this, like, suggestion that the reason she failed her mission was because of some element of her character that was not related to her combat abilities. Hmm. But... That's a little uh,
0: foreshadowing. (laughs) Sure. Yes, yes. Uh, So um, the scientist is named Seo Hyun. I don't know whether we're told this at any point. I had to go on Wikipedia to figure this out. Yeah. Maybe it's like
1: written or something, but she's generally called Chief most of the
0: movie. Hmm. So she insists that, uh, you know, this this combat AI will escape and it will work. And the generals are like, fine if it escapes we'll buy your stuff uh which these why didn't they just theranos that shit? <laughs> i mean that's a great question just rig the simulation <laughs> like i feel like based on what we saw in that uh initial a- action sequence that, that is a pretty capable combat ai
1: yeah it feels good enough
0: yeah, I don't I don't know why the generals are all like, oh well, didn't get to the fuel rod, even though it took out like four dozen of these uh combat drones and a and a and a Horizon Zero Dawn cat tank. <laughs> so, combat robot tier list. Robocop. Um, what else do we have? A spider tank from Ghost in the Shell. Do we have anything else? Pacific Rim, the Jaegers. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and the sentinels from the matrix what's your tier list and then this thing the cat horizon the on cat tank one
1: uh jaegers first
0: okay um i'm creating an impromptu new category combat robots uh jaegers yes. <laughs> i i mean that's 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 an easy like number one i agree with you there I like the Spider Tank number 2. The Spider Tank just feels in both the live action and the animated Ghost in the Shell. I feel like the Spider Tank is really satisfying and looks like a real thing that could be something that someone would put out on a combat.
1: Yeah, I agree with that.
0: Uh then Sentinels. Um I feel like I like uh I feel like I like this thing better than Sentinels it's more interesting yeah i feel like i like the uh cat tank more than sentinels and but but it is a very close sentinels are very close behind because sentinels are super badass and then then it's robocop robocop himself comes after that but then after that ed 209 because (laughs) ed 209's animation is kind of (laughs) terrible
1: okay i accept this list in agreement
0: Okay, so let's move on past that little aside. Um, so the scientist performs a quote-unquote exit interview on the failed android, and so, holy, like, what the? Fuck? What kind of fucking exit interview is this? <laughs> so first off,
1: like, completely unnecessarily, they like disembody effectively the 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 AI robot person. I don't know why. They do that before this interview. Yeah. And then they just like wake her up from her like death like experience in the simulator and just like see what happens. <laughs> they don't <laughs> talk to her. They're just like, hey, you're awake and
0: you're a half a body now. Yeah. Figure that shit out. And <laughs> and you know what? To this movie's credit, I feel like it nails the reaction because she just starts screaming. <laughs> it becomes clear.
1: For several reasons, I, I had a lot of fun by looking, like zooming in on the screens in this scene and looking at what they were reading. But this is like the 18th attempt at this. This, this is, is the 18th exit interview.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, like you'd think this would be like traumatic for the text or something because it's
1: it's pretty fucked up. Yeah. And especially because we're going to talk about a reveal in a second that makes this extra fucked up. Oh.
0: Yeah. It's screaming and they, they don't talk to it. They just like, they're just like, oh. Well, that's enough. They pause. They freeze the robot. They retrieve its brain. And then they incinerate its body.
1: That's it. Just wake it up for like this kind of
0: like (laughs) extremely traumatic experience and restart. (laughs) Yep. Just wake it up. uh, I don't and just literally just to torture it for a little bit (laughs) and then move on with life. So let's talk about its brain for a little bit, because like um, it has like a compartment where it can. You know, its head opens up and they remove the brain, I assume, like the CPU or whatever. Yeah. And so it's
1: really brain looking, first off.
0: Like if brain were like, I don't know, like silver hair.
1: Imagine if you tried to like replace neurons with like little, like literally wires. But not in like a sort of like chip kind of way. Just like we're going to make a bundle of wires, but organize them exactly the same way the neurons are.
0: Exactly. It almost looks a little bit kind of like a connectome, but not really because it's not like they're making like cortex out of it. While like connectomes are typically like fiber tract, you know, stuff. right? But like the wispy like wire stuff is, I don't know, it kind of like reminded me of that a little bit but it has superficial similarities to an anatomical brain in that um, it has, like, sulci and gyri. Mm -hmm. It's missing the bottom half of the brain, basically. No cerebellum. And the sulci and gyri don't appear to... Maybe this is a central sulcus? (laughs) But what purpose does having this have superficial visual similarities to a brain serve?
1: I mean, it must literally be, like, neuromorphic in, like, actual... Design like of how it functions, but that doesn't make a ton of sense because much of the reason for the brain's like physical anatomy is like wetware, diffusion gradient, neurotransmitter stuff, and so I don't understand why it would have to be organized like this.
0: Yeah, if it's all just electricity, or you know, whatever, this could this brain that they have in Jungi could very easily just be a friggin hard drive or something.
1: Yeah, I feel like that too.
0: And to be fair, maybe the bottom portion of it is.
1: Yeah, maybe. I mean, it looks like it. It's on, it basically this brain looking thing is sitting on a heavy metal plate that itself has like a high density connector on and they just like slide that metal plate into the like skull cavity of these androids.
0: But, you know, it's a very, it's a very compelling visual. It's very, um, it catches the eye and it's very interesting to look at because it's shiny. Like there appear to be like sh- impulses and stuff shooting through it continuously. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Which, which I mean, really gets to the true reason this looks like a brain, which is, it makes it very obvious this is the brain and like consciousness transfer is happening, etc. If they just like
0: popped an SD card out of the back of the Android, I think (laughs) it would be much less uh, compelling. Yes, yeah, it's true. And it would not sell the humanity of this droid quite as much. Although, I don't know, I feel like the droid screaming while being tortured was plenty humanizing for me.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) i mean just as like a little aside here again uh this is like a returning trope in a lot of these like i don't know i don't know what consciousness transfer and like android kind of like movies and stuff this this lab on the surface and what they are saying is experimenting with consciousness transfer or even not even specifically consciousness transfer but like combat ability human combat ability and thinking transfer along with like
0: high-end ai right and in some ways the movie doesn't actually realize that because the movie keeps talking about, oh well, we have programmed this based on neural data. We have
1: Yeah, exactly. So like it seems like they're kind of just taking like some elements of human thought and trying to program them into like artificial or like AI robots.
0: <laughs> right.
1: And so this whole like element of like why this android needs to look like Captain Young basically doesn't make sense.
0: <laughs> like this sure does not need to be happening at all well i mean when we get to the neural data part and like the ownership of neural i do want to talk about this actually oh sure yeah it is yes you're right um and it will become quite upsetting later when <laughs> the consequences of having a robot that looks like a person and let's just jump right into it it's her mom
1: yeah yeah it is her mom she is working on this like ai doubt like captain young is this like chief scientist mom and she just like watches her get tortured and incinerated like every day or whatever the work cycle is
0: it's awful it's super (laughs) f***ed up so captain young is seo hyun's mother or and she worked as a mercenary to pay for seo hyun's medical bills as a child And so we have a flashback back to Captain Yung saying goodbye to a little girl who is a young Seo Hyun as Captain Yung is about to depart on her mission and Seo Hyun is about to go in for her surgery. Captain Yung, as we saw in that first action sequence, which mimics the final mission, she was seriously wounded and put in a coma. And so we learn a little bit about how this consciousness transfer happens in this society
1: here. Yep.
0: And to me, <laughs> this is actually where the movie works the best. Like this single scene where, where this is revealed, that was truly, for me, just a fantastic scene. Everything about it, I thought it was really good. So I'll back up a little bit to motivate why we're talking about uh, this. So Seo Hyun is going to the doctor. She has terminal lung cancer. It has metastasized. And she is presented with three options by a doctor. Um, option A which is exorbitantly expensive and it is to have her consciousness transferred into a single prosthetic body. She has full ownership over her neural data and self, and she has full human rights as she would as a person, as she does, you know, currently as a person.
1: Yeah. And presumably lives forever like that, but it's not an important part.
0: Yeah. You know, similarly to, you know, say something like altered carbon, like it's, this is for the ultra rich. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so option B is a less expensive option where neural data is shared with government agencies uh, and your prosthetic body has limited rights, uh, such as marriage adoption, etc. And then option C is the
1: the the same way that we get to enjoy YouTube free <laughs>
0: <laughs> or whatever other service you want to name. you're not the customer, you are the product <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly so this free option you get to get downloaded into a prosthetic body for free but any parties may purchase copies of your neural data with full license to clone it as many times as they want and put it in whatever the they want and so you have no rights as an autonomous person you effectively exist identically to any of the like robot clones of you And then, my favorite part, the doctor's like, well, it's not so bad. And then we pan out, and it shows that this doctor is only an upper body and has no legs and is on rails and, and turns around and scoots him back, implying that he's revealed to be an android and implied to be type C. Exactly. So aside from me really, really enjoying just like the pacing and the shot composition and everything of that scene, this is, for me, by far the most interesting thing the movie has to say because neuroethics and privacy of neural data is really something that is just kind of in its infancy and something we're only just now like beginning to grapple with the implications of.
1: Right. And so when we say that we wish this had been a Black Mirror episode that like heavily explored one of these many themes we'll see in this movie, I think this is the one that like really makes it feel Black mirror and really feels like would be an interesting one to explore further. And it is explored in this movie... But it not maybe fully.
0: <laughs> right. Well, okay. so, so we've already talked a little bit about how, you know, kind of the heart of this movie, as it turns out, is this family drama, this family dynamic. and that and that is maintains the focus of this film.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And unfortunately, like you know, this type C, you know it it it, it stays consistent where it's referenced as this thing that kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. But the full implications of it, you know, and kind of like the dystopian, aspects of it aren't explored in the same way that they might be in like a black mirror episode yeah so you know why is this interesting to us like why like why did we latch onto this as something as the most interesting part
1: i mean i i think part of it is i mean the the, the simplest explanation is that it is simply a a like model that we effectively recognize in our society already with like much less intensive or much less impactful, like aspects of our daily lives, like I mentioned YouTube. Uh, and so it like feels very familiar, um, but seeing it kind of like twisted into this like life after death and like how you continue to experience life or can experience life is like a very strange and like uncomfortable uh, look at that uh, and then of course you and I I think latch on to this because like you mentioned neuroethics as a field is something that we really start are just kind of starting to think about in some ways and it's also in some ways just starting to become relevant uh, as we have advances in both neuro and AI and are actually starting to do some of this kind of like co-learning between these two fields and between these like data sets that exist in these fields this type of like question actually might arise relatively quickly And so given that, you know, you and I deal with neural data on a daily basis and like have to keep track of like HIPAA and privacy and like people's right to access that data, I think it's like a really important topic to us. And it's already something that's like divisive in the field. Like I know, you know, multiple leaders of other neurotech companies who have very different opinions on this who aren't so like, they don't feel like neural data needs to be a private or personal thing. And they are like willing to share it or steal it or borrow it. And so you have these like really kind of like divisive camps uh, on this already
0: for people who are actually tinkering in this space. So let me paint you this picture. Let's fast forward maybe, I don't know. I'm not even going to go 10 years. I'm going to go five. Okay. Five years. Yes. Just to emphasize to listeners that may not be familiar in the neuromodulation space, let's fast forward five years. There is a new closed loop neurostimulator out there for, let's say, epilepsy. Okay, let's just say epilepsy. I'm not going to get crazy and say, you know, like Alzheimer's or something like that. Not within five years anyways. Yeah, that'd be crazy. Who would work on that? <laughs> Idiots. That's that's Sue. That was me. I, I worked on that. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, you have a few, you know, few electrodes, um, you know, over in your brain and you have a neurostimulator there and it records constantly. And when it predicts you're going to have a seizure, it, uh, you know, begins stimulating. This is also, this is a thing that already happens today. I'm just fast forwarding five years for like, you know, argument's sake. That it's V2 or whatever. yeah, Yeah, exactly. And it's like streaming high quality data constantly. And not only that, it streams that. To your Apple iPhone, where you can, where you can, I don't know, like you know, adjust. Where your neurologist can either do programming, or you can like turn it on, turn it off, or like twiddle with it or whatever. And it also syncs with your Apple Watch, which uh, even today has a fall detector. So let's say you have a drop seizure; it tells it to, hey, do your thing, start stimulating. Great, awesome. It's integrated in the beautiful Apple Health, like biometric data, everything. And so now that Apple Health is getting your brain data. While, let's say, oh, I don't know, you're listening to iTunes or Apple Music and it monitors your brain data while you're listening to certain kinds of music and then pushes more music to you based on what your brain state was like. And then Apple says, hmm, that's really good data. What should we do with that? <laughs> or when you're watching Apple TV and you're watching season five, eight, eight of Ted Lasso and And Apple aggregates the brain data of all these people that have the neurostimulators and while they're watching Ted Lasso and says, let's renew Ted Lasso for season nine. Mm -hmm. This is not necessarily such a far-fetched scenario that I've just painted. It's also not like an
1: accidental or like um, scenario we're going to stumble into. There are people like actively... Trying to do that for those exact purposes. The reason some of the companies that are interested in like BCI work and incorporating like BCI elements into, let's say, like metaverse style products, like you can go read their pitch decks, it is to sell ad revenue.
0: Yes. And so YouTube, right? You get to watch whatever you want for free on YouTube, and then Google on your Android NeuroPixel. Um, ah. Damn it! <laughs> uh, NeuroPixel is a commercial
1: product of a high-density neural probe on market today.
0: I literally just added like "neuro" to my phone name, with, I have a Google Pixel, and didn't even real. <laughs> uh, I hate, I hate myself right now. Um, with your Google neurostimulator, right? You are watching YouTube. YouTube is owned by Google, and then again, you are the product. You are not the customer in that case. Your neural data is the product. And that is the bill, quote unquote, for being able to watch YouTube for free. Like that is not such a far-fetched scenario. Can I go a step further on it? Just yes, please. around. Okay.
1: Um, everything we're talking about is this kind of like neuromarketing tilt,
0: right? Like reading. And I've kept it purposefully mundane to like emphasize the immediate relevance of it.
1: Yeah, this is very true. I, I do want to emphasize that my scenario is definitely taking it to a little more black mirror territory and what Stephen just said is like real stuff happening right now. Um, but there's a, there's a whole kind of like area of neuro research, rewinding a little bit, what Stephen just talked about is kind of like this neuromarketing tilt, like monitoring brain state or arousal levels or whatever while watching an ad or consuming some media or you know whatever it is. Um, that's easy, it's accessible, it's possible, and people do it all the time right now. Uh, in fact, Kernel, a popular BCI or kind of like neuro recording company, is selling that as a service right now, neuromarketing arousal levels during ad watching. Um, but there's also this whole area of like neurostimulation that is less focused on like functional neurostimulation, which Stephen and I normally talk about, like restoring function of a specific circuit or upregulating activity in a specific circuit to have this kind of like specific measurable outcome. And there's this much more kind of like state optimization area of neurostimulation where people try to just like move your brain into certain brain states. And by doing that, they can actually influence the type of decisions that you make um, in those like other brain states. So they can influence decision-making like bias and ability um, by like pushing your brain towards a certain state, but there's all sorts of stimulation you can do. To alter those kind of like widespread brain states. They can be in neurostimulation, like electrical stimulations, like we talk about, but they can also be through certain patterns of audio stimulation and certain patterns of like light and visual stimulation. And there are people that are working on being able to incorporate these like subtly into like normal media that we consume, such as music that we listen to or videos that we watch. And so when you think about combining these two types of technologies, which are normally both presented in this like really kind of like mundane ways of like, oh, yeah, I just want to see if people are like excited by my ad or yeah, I want to help people be less depressed by listening to music that like is optimized to make them less depressed. Uh, Being able to like combine these two things leads to a sort of scary scenario.
0: Yes, very much so. And even like the direct functional electrical stimulation, you can stimulate at a in a certain part of the brain and literally just like make somebody laugh Mm -hmm. or induce immense anxiety just like that in a slightly different region. And so it's potentially very easy to manipulate people if you were to have like, you know, full brain coverage uh, in a neurostimulator of some kind.
1: Sure. Everybody's walking around with the full like implant
0: or whatever, because it was Mm -hmm. so useful in other ways. uh, It would make you susceptible. So basically just to sort of summarize like we're only really on the cusp of sort of grappling with how with how we're going to proceed with you know what ethical data and like data usage and privacy is going to mean moving forward. We we don't know what that's going to look like. It's exciting and slightly terrifying.
1: Yeah, I think it's nice that there's so many things that are paving the way for it though. People are already thinking so much about what just like online personal data means and like HIPAA and like what health data means and how that's protected. And so I think you're at least not starting from some sort of like ground zero on like, do I own this thing of myself? I think a lot of people just say yes. The question is like how that's controlled.
0: Yes. Uh, Well, okay. So, I mean, speaking of online data, I was over in Europe uh, last week. Mm -hmm. They have the, you know, GDPR, general data protection, whatever regulations where Literally, you're on your phone, you're trying to do literally anything, and at every possible moment, do you want these cookies, 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 do you want to accept or reject, and at some point you're just like, shut the f***, accept all, accept all, accept all, accept all are we going to get to that point with like data yeah, privacy where data? Just, where we just get like battered down with like these uh, requests or whatever. And you're just like, fine, accept it all. I don't even care. Have my neural data. Go, go do it. Yeah, I'm just trying to watch this cat video. <laughs> yeah. Cause like I said, like I got to the point where I did not even care about like this, these cookies. I was like, fine, just let me get, book my train ticket. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's the same thing with like um, the end user license agreements, right, on software. Yeah, exactly. Like John Oliver has a great bit where he, <laughs> where where the punchline is, you could put the text of mind comp <laughs> in this uh, license agreement, and people would still click yes, I agree with this. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I think the scary part is, is there a point where you know we as a society get as cavalier about our neural data? as we are right now about our like internet browsing data.
1: Maybe. <laughs> yes.
0: Probably. I mean, that's
1: uh, right. Uh, this, the data we have so
0: far says, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And in this movie, they certainly are right. Like um, because right after the doctors revealed to be an Android in this very like impactful scene, uh, we flash back to the chronoid company, like, Meeting with uh, Captain Yung's family after her mission, child Seo Hyeon is like recovering from her surgery. Her presumably grandmother is there, and the corporate uh, reps are—they're like, "Hey, hey, sign this, sign these uh, rights away. We'll pay for you know your daughter, your granddaughter's tuition and everything. We'll give you a stipend, and oh, we'll also turn your daughter into a an action hero and put her on all these." Uh, action figures, and they literally like show one of the action figures to Seo-hyun. It's, it's it's very gross and, I think, purposefully meant to be so. Yeah. And so the family consents to to uh, Captain Jung's neural data being in Type-C to be commoditized as an action figure and, apparently, this robot. And um, somewhere in all of this, Seo-hyun was like, cool, I'm going to grow up to work with my mom's neural data. Yeah, so this... Not to,
1: like, pivot away from this, like, terrible neuroethics, like, touching family scene or whatever. Like, this gross, weird thing that happened. But this, like, doesn't make sense to me. Because, like, I don't know. I'm not good at telling age, but Serahoon, like, in the rest of this movie, is, like, middle-aged, roughly. Like, mid-30s? Later? Uh,
0: I mean, I think, like, early to mid-40s I is what I was. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like, yeah, even later. Yeah, exactly. Because she also looks at her mom in the coma and her mom is like now elderly.
0: Oh yeah. Why does she age in the, uh, in the uh, coma thing? I don't know, but well, actually people in comas age. Wait, what am I talking
1: about? Yeah. We're, 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 we're yeah. suggesting here that there's like a 20 year time skip.
0: Well, 35, right?
1: Or 30. Yeah. Even more, I guess. And I don't get <laughs> like how they were like, yes, we are going to take your mom's neural data and we're going to put her into combat stuff so that she can go fight. We're going to do that right now as you're a child. And then it's like 35 years later, we're like, we're on AI number 17, even though we're doing one a day. And it's this little girl all grown up that is leading it. Like there's just like, there's not a consistent timeline that makes sense with it.
0: It's a good point. I had not thought about that.
1: Unless they were just like really slow to boot up the like consciousness transfer program. But that is obviously not the case because they like we're doing consciousness transfer, back when she was a little girl like it is not a new thing
0: also like she didn't get consciousness transferred and then like get to live with her like family and stuff right like that's which is the normal mechanism like
1: that's the implied like you get to get put into a body and go back and do stuff but we also get your data no she yeah. just grew up without a mother
0: they put they like saved her and put her in this medically induced coma and then just like had her sit there yeah and didn't put her in a body
1: like it's all messed up. Like it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I hadn't thought about that. That's a good point.
1: Um, and then on top of that, like there's all these, like you get these like snippets throughout the movie of like chronoid, this company that's running this whole thing being like, it's amazing that like we have made these like steps forward in like consciousness transfer and like made that like a possible thing, but they're kind of like making it sound like it was a new thing that Sehun worked on. Mm-hmm. But like the type C fact that a type c thing existed in the past implies that full consciousness transfer type a was possible and so like (laughs) it's just i i I can keep going but like it's just a little weird none none of the timelines make sense
0: sort of also why like if there's been a black mirror episode where they didn't like feel the need to kind of like flesh all these out and expand it into feature length probably would have just been a lot tighter and worked a lot better i think yeah true so we've addressed the idea of like consciousness transfer in other episodes, such as um, I think uh, I'll point any listeners that maybe want to hear a little hear us talk about that a little bit more to San Junipero. I think that's uh, uh, where we talk about it the most probably. So I don't think we'll beat that dead horse too much, given that we're already an hour into the uh, into recording. And so now I think we understand the full context of this movie. The movie really only has like one surprise left for us. And so like sort of the emotional heart of this movie has been established. The main sort of ethical conundrum of this movie has been established, or at least one of them. We move into a new action sequence with a new build of um, the AI number 18. And this action sequence is not nearly as long because uh, Songhun the uh, deranged apparently poorly dubbed uh lab director orders them to mix up the stimulus the simulation by shooting the droid in the leg to start and so the android still fails the mission but they find an interesting data point there um and they observe that a novel area has activated during the during the simulation it's a pretty funny scene (laughs)
1: like i mean like the whole shooting in the leg thing is uh like contrary to what they've been like instructed to do apparently, or what the like guiding science is behind this. Cause they've been insisting very consistently that you have to start from the exact same point. That's the whole way that we get consistent testing in the simulation. So this is like a weird thing to do, mm-hmm. but the whole like new brain region becoming activated is like <laughs> so strangely done. Um, I, I guess I just want to take a second to talk about like the interfaces that we see here in this like scene. Um, Because when we talk about a new brain region being highlighted, basically like during the simulation, what the scientists are monitoring are these like panels in the like mission control room. And like one Mm -hmm. of them is just a picture of a brain and it just has some like light up dots on it. And when different.
0: And it's a um, sagittal view. Mm -hmm, mm
1: -hmm. And when different like things happen in the simulation, we see some of the dots start to light up and you get like this growing meter and you get like a little alert. (laughs) and there's like a few different alerts that pop up in the in in the um subtitled version they actually like tell you what these alerts are supposed to say but if you were watching the dub version or if you just were weird like me and wanted to see like what the korean translated to in google translate (laughs) they say things like the will to fight is increasing or self-agency is decreasing and things like that um, and through this, you basically learn that there's like three brain regions or like three oh, yeah. <laughs> things that they're modeling:
0: pain, the will to fight and this new unknown one. Which is great because these are not actual brain regions. These are like these are just abstract concepts. <laughs> yes, exactly. And to be clear, uh, like I'm not even going to go
1: and like play around with like talking about the neuroscience of these regions or like where they show up in the normal brain. Too much here but like these are just like organized spatially in like a visually pleasing way for the purpose of this movie like they don't correspond to any regions for any justification there's like no thinking behind this at all no
0: i'm, I'm pretty sure like the will to fight is like auditory cortex it was like vaguely temporal is like my, was my yeah. like memory <laughs> and like yeah so and, and you know what's really funny in terms of like visual things like you just They could just have had, like, an fMRI, like, you know, image or something like that, right? Like, functional mapping is a thing we do. <laughs>
1: yeah, that would be an easier image type to find and
0: create than this one that they did. <laughs> like... It would probably make w- way more sense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The team is pretty pleased with themselves about this, uh, you know, because they're, they're true scientists. Even when you fail, you, if, if something new happens and you fail in a novel way, it's still an interesting thing, so good for them and
1: yeah and they're like uh, and they note during this too like i guess we didn't highlight yet but this unidentified brain region is like associated with better mobility and like better fighting capability and stuff so they're basically like this new region that hasn't been active before
0: is the key to combat ais Mm. so yeah so they're so they're so they're quite pleased with themselves and they go to report to the chairman um but they are instead met by who I take to be a product manager (laughs) because she said she's from product development. So this is what the world thinks of product managers and it's not flattering. (laughs) It shouldn't be. This person
1: sucks. (laughs) She does suck. Basically we're, we're, we're introduced to this woman through like, of course, like what the worst thing a woman could do to like a insecure man, like Song Hoon, which is like, she's laughing at him as she enters the scene. But she basically goes on to say, like, did you not hear? The chairman is not coming. Like, he doesn't need to talk to you. Like, we are working on product now.
0: And he's like, what? Why do you need product in a war? And she just, like, laughs him off, basically. She, like, continues to laugh at him, refuses to elaborate, and then leaves. (laughs) It's terrible. (laughs) What a power move.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And she has like a a little like entourage the whole time. Just like these like soulless gazing
0: men in suits that follow her around. She dismisses them. And so frustrated, the uh, scientists and uh, 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 the uh, chief, Seo Hyun and Song Hoon, return to the office. Song Hoon abruptly freezes and his eyes like flash gray, revealing he is an android unbeknownst to himself. And uh, out from under a table, seemingly, pops the chairman. Who <laughs> so is like this, like,
1: uh, how would you describe this guy? Um, he's like
0: almost mischievous.
1: Yeah, exactly. He's like a, a bored, mischievous, playful, kind of like, why can't I can't think of the word. It's not ecstatic. Eccentric? Eccentric, thank you. <laughs> he's, like, he's like this playful, mischievous, like, eccentric old man who basically, like, laughs at the fact that Seo probably did not realize that Song Hoon was an android.
0: Mm-hmm. So he's paying a visit, and he explains He explains that the Allied forces have agreed to a peace settlement with the Adrian Republic. The war is over. And so he is there to personally deliver the news that the combat AI program is being shut down in favor of consumer-oriented AIs, and the Captain Jung slash jung E, development program is going to cease and they specifically emphasize consumer
1: oriented ais here as like housekeepers and personal services which i'm just gonna i'm just gonna insert that fact here and we're gonna come back to it later excellent (laughs) but she's obviously very disappointed by this basically like tries to argue that like they should get a couple more goes to like finish this off Mm -hmm. uh that she like wants her mom back something along those lines and uh that's the end of the scene.
0: And then they unfreeze Songhoon, and he's like, whoa. Because, like, the, uh, to him, the chairman has just magically appeared in front of him. And the chairman just, you know, in his crazy old uncle slash... I don't watch Rick and Morty. Which one's the scientist? Rick. In his Rick way, laughs him off without telling him that he's an android, mind you. <laughs> so... The team runs uh one more failed simulation and song hoon having learned about the impending project closure like he just loses his shit like completely the simulation fails again as seemingly it ad- okay like this simulation just deterministic right like can we just like accept that as true yeah yes okay cool. that 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 is just how I feel about this. <laughs> so song hoon um you know after presumably years of banging his head against this uh, failed simulation that I have now decreed has been doomed to failure from the start is increasingly unhinged. And during the exit interview makes it even more brutal than possible. It like this, this exit interview is literally just the movie is just like, just turned into like a snuff film for about a minute.
1: Yeah. It's under the guise of him trying to elicit activity in that new unknown brain region, because shooting her in the leg previously did it. So he's like, oh, pain does it. So he's like, let's cut her arms off. Cause that is a good leap of logic. (laughs) Uh, So he does that of course, while she's awake and alive or whatever she, whatever you count
0: as alive. And I mean, my verbiage here in describing his, him is that he becomes unhinged, but I feel like I'm underselling that. He kind of reverts to being like just like a he's almost like a toddler throwing a tantrum except the fact that he's armed and is like the boss of all of these people so so he is just screaming like a child like literally just like a child throwing a tantrum in a grocery store cuz he doesn't get candy and waving his gun around and like cutting off this robot's arm because he's not getting his way so this
1: is especially weird when you consider something that Steven and I skipped to tell you in the previous scene which is that this man is not just an android he's an android with the consciousness of the chairman yes so yeah <laughs> makes you see the chairman and his like eccentric weird old man energy a little bit differently yeah yeah
0: it's a good point I mean the chairman didn't seem all that homicidal. <laughs> like, I don't no. know. So maybe it's just something about, maybe he was like, a, maybe this was just like an early iteration and uh, it just kind of didn't go right. You know, like what is that in Halo that Cortana, like rampancy or whatever? AI mm-hmm. rampancy. Mm-hmm. That's, that, that's what I'm going to, because I kind of like the chairman actually, so I don't want to like think. Yeah, this. I don't
1: want to spoil his, uh,
0: <laughs> the idea of him in my mind. So anyway, Sanghoon like just, loses it waving his gun around torturing this robot until seo hyun intervenes and instructs the team to prepare for full project shutdown and send all the data to her wonder why she wants that
1: (laughs) so she gets all the data but she's like i guess at some point she's like reviewing the data being sent to her and she sees that like another tech has also downloaded some of it or like sent it to themselves as well or something and so she like tracks this tech down to basically be like, what you doing with that
0: data? And she stumbles into a weird scene. Mm-hmm. So uh, this for me is quite possibly the most realistic uh, thing in this movie in that they've developed this uh, extremely advanced uh, AI and an extremely lifelike robot. And so far, you know, in wartime, they it the need has been military and so they've been developing it for combat purposes so far as I can tell it has been I don't know hours since a peace treaty was signed and they have immediately decided to find a way they can fuck it <laughs> how can we make it fuckable? <laughs> literally hours from a peace treaty signing they shut down the combat AI program alright let's make it a sex bot <laughs>
1: And they are making progress because it is dressed up like
0: Soo Hoon's mom is dressed up in this engineer's room. Yep. So you don't see anything as the audience other than like her butt in a thong. Like she is topless, but it's like shot from the back. So you don't see any of the fun bits. Mm -hmm. But um, Soo Hoon is unamused because she thinks that this is like this and this like engineer, like taking some liberties with, for all intents and purposes, like, her mom. Yeah. And, to again,
1: re-emphasize, there's, like, it's unclear at many points in this movie where we're, whether we're doing full-on consciousness transfer or not. It becomes very clear towards the end of the movie that we are doing consciousness transfer, and so when mm-hmm. we talk about the sex bot, like, yes, it looks like her mom, and it literally has her mom's brain and memories.
0: And so, the engineer makes it clear to Seo Hyun that this is like on orders from product development. He is working, <laughs> and that, yeah, like he makes the business case. He's like, yeah, who doesn't want to f- a war hero? Yeah, and he tries to use that as
1: like a reassuring business case to Sion, which is like a weird tactic. He's like, but it's really it would be a really good product. You see, like, don't you agree? Like, people
0: would want that. <laughs> she doesn't want it. She doesn't want it. Not even a little bit. <laughs> She throws like a towel over her mom bot and uh, like escorts it away. And again, like the engineer emphasizes to her, and I don't know why he thought this would be a helpful thing to say. He's like, oh, this is totally permitted under the type C neural data license. And again, like a nice little callback to like the sort of implications of what that sort of looseness and liberal attitude towards neural data might entail at some point. So uh, how do we move on from the uh, literal, actual MILF? Uh, Like, revenge, I guess? (laughs) 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 Is
1: that that the best descriptor? Su-hun basically, like, prepares, I guess, like, one last simulation. But in doing so, like, personally preps the AI and bot and body herself.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And in doing this, she kind of does something that was suggested to her at the very beginning of the movie, which is to like ask her mom if she like resents her because her mom like ended up dying. Like the reason her mom became a military person was to pay for her daughter's like surgery. And so she like asks if she resents her and her mom is basically like, no, I like love my daughter. I'm so happy to hear that she's okay. And this is where she gets to explore this novel brain area and see it light up. So now we know what the novel brain area is.
0: It's love. It's love.
1: Or like memory of her daughter. It's a little oh, yeah. unclear. Well,
0: emotion of some kind. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. exactly. Let's just say love. It's more dramatic that way. I,
1: I, you know, it's love. So the three, as this movie has taught us, the three brain regions are <laughs> <laughs> pain, willingness to fight, and love. Which like, sure,
0: probably captures a good spectrum of the human experience. yeah i'd agree <laughs> so uh seo hyun like realizes this and like kind of has this cathartic breakdown of realizing oh my god my mom was thinking about me in her last you know days or hours or whatever and so she before they begin this last simulation she secretly tells the Jung Yi bot the full situation like everything like you're dead uh, this is a copy of your neural data that's been cloned into this bot we're shutting down this project blah, blah blah like so that this robot understands the full breadth of everything that's going on minus one important detail which is that she's her daughter because she deletes the love area from the brain and does not tell her that fact <laughs> so they run one last simulation in which seo hyun basically helps jung e engineer an escape now uh this is another 15 minute long action sequence and again it slaps this action sequence rules yeah we got combat ai chases we've got like
1: mom fighting we have got like daughter fighting we've got
0: gunplay train sequences it's it's got all the pieces Mm -hmm. we won't try to describe beat by beat this action sequence because it's there's a lot going on but It's sweet. The action and the and visual effects are quite well done. Any case, this action sequence happens. Seo hyun switches Jung E's brain from a Jung E bot into another combat bot that doesn't have like the face
1: on it. Yeah, just has. They're just pure robots. They don't look like people, which
0: is like normal, but they do have eyelids. Super strange and weird, and they have irises too. They have like their eyes are weirdly expressive.
1: Yeah, it's strange.
0: So um, after that, you know, they get on the the action sequence proceeds to this train chase where Song Hoon has like gone full batshit insane and pursues them. He gets injured at some point in a way that reveals to him himself that he is a robot and he goes absolutely batshit insane in this fight. Eventually, you know, he loses. He falls off the train to his presumed death. And Seo is shot by Song Hoon in all of this. According to the robot, it's a flesh wound and she's trying to patch it up, but Seo Hyun sent her away because um because police are coming. Now, here's the thing. Remember how Nick said that Jung Yi had something deleted from her brain and that thing was that Seo Hyun was her daughter? Yes. I remember saying that. <laughs> it seems like she still remembers in some way.
1: Exactly. We get the whole we get the classic like our love transcends amnesia and they like connect at some deeper memory, which specifically is a super cute thing that these two do together, which is a good luck cheek rub. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, And they like rub their cheeks together and this like reminds them of this, this memory, I guess.
0: And so they share that touching mother daughter moment and Jung yi escapes out into the world and Seo-hyun's fate is left unknown so that is the end
1: of the movie but i just have to ask like where does jung-e go from here you remember the scene yeah
0: uh she goes on a hike
1: yeah she goes on a hike into like nature and she's like standing in front of this like vast open like plains mountain forests
0: just like beautiful nature area yeah and weren't they just in like a flooded like urban zone with yeah it was like flooded up to the height of skyscrapers yes so
1: there's that and then also, do you remember when they show us what these orbital
0: shelters look like? They kind of look like the Halo from Halo.
1: Yeah, they're Halo rings, and they are not that wide. <laughs> like, this place that she goes cannot exist in the
0: universe that they set up to us unless she escaped back to Earth. It actually didn't even occur to me that they might have been on a uh, orbital station. I thought they were on Earth. Oh. Because because when you see the transport scenes, you see, like, they're on a flooded. Yes. They're, and Earth is flooded, right? Ah, oh, uh, okay. That makes more sense. Okay, I get it. I thought everybody was in the orbital shelters. I mean, a good a good number of people are, but uh, I don't think everyone is. Okay, so these were people back down on Earth. Okay, that makes more sense. Okay, I buy it. You can erase this whole aside. <laughs> cool. One last thing before we move into our recurring segments. I really liked like the factory scenes because... They just really reminded me of the Boston Dynamics robots. Oh, for sure. It was, uh, except somehow they're less creepy than the Boston Dynamics robots. Yeah.
1: I don't know what makes the Boston Dynamics one so weird feeling. It's just,
0: I don't know. Maybe it's just like the, how alien they're like gate and everything is. It's
1: yeah, true. Yeah. The, the, the robots she's fighting in the first scene are more like Boston Dynamics robots, which mm-hmm. is funny.
0: Let's get into our segments here. Uh, neuro moment what 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 did this movie do well neuro preferably neuro or otherwise
1: i feel like i'm going to steal this from you but the neuro moment to me was the like neural data privacy stuff like it was interesting to think about and talk about it had interesting implications in the movie it's like relevant to today's like neural engineering and neuroscience topics so yeah like i would have loved to see that explored somehow even more
0: hmm okay um i don't really have anything for this so we're just gonna move on (laughs) so for near all moments i think for me it's the uh when they're like looking at brain regions and brain activity during the simulation not even the idea of like these are the wrong regions or anything it's just like the choice of graphic they had like they just have this like blinking dot when you could just put like a freaking fmri and like you know on there you know, it, 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 why not just do that it's like the it's like my nitpick with that is a production design thing it is not a science thing <laughs> uh,
1: yeah that's a good, that's a good pick um i will kind of near all the same thing um, but just going into there's a specific line in the movie where Soo-hun says something along the lines of there's just like so many brain regions to study and it's so hard to learn what they all do and i'm like yeah I agree. And then it flashes to their, like, bat graphic you're talking about, and there's just, like, five lit up dots in the brain.
0: <laughs> and it's how, like... could, how could we ever study all five of these? <laughs> when studying them basically involves, like, a one-day
1: trial of, like, a person running through a simulation. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good.
0: Uh, okay, well... So where should we put this in our power rankings? So so we have a new category in our power (laughs) rankings that we just made up impromptu on the spot in combat robots. Yes. (laughs) And for me, this comes in at number three out of six combat robots we've had. Yep, and for me, it's number four, just behind Sentinels. (laughs) Excellent. So this is absolutely a brain computer interface movie yes and i know
1: where i want to put it yes i'm ready (laughs) i've made my
0: decision okay um give me one moment okay i have placed it do you want to go first sure so i
1: have on record here that we have done with this one 13 yes brain computer interface movies and out of those 13, I put this hit. Number eleven. Behind Robocop and ahead of Firefox and Star Trek. Okay. I feel and I'm gonna say that for a couple of reasons. One, the neuroscience in this movie was bad. So like on that <laughs> it was, metric. It very bad. <laughs> it's terrible. The ethical questions are interesting, or like the kind of like neuro, kind of like thinky questions are interesting, but maybe not explored fully. And while the CGI and fight scenes overall were good, they still do not compare to Pacific Rim in that sense, or Robocop, or Ghost in the Shell, or Upgrade, or The Matrix, or Ghost in the Shell again. (laughs) And so it
0: must be behind all of those. Okay. I have this at number nine out of 13. I have it a a bit ahead of you, but I have a feeling it's... Probably in the same tier, uh, even if it's two ranks lower. In that, the things I have ahead of it are just pieces of media that I just enjoyed more, uh, and for various reasons. Um, yeah, I mean, I think San Junipero does a similar thing, but better and more focused.
1: Yeah, and with like a, a to me, like when you say better more focused, too, I also just feel like it's more elegant. Like it's it feels classy and nice and like done mm-hmm. well yep
0: you know the matrix is just a better movie than jung same thing with ghost in the shell pacific rim again action is better than jung although jung like visual effects are good but they don't match up the whole the full like visual language and like you know everything about pacific rim and the and the jaegers like just screams everything about the jaegers and jung like has great action but like it doesn't sort of it doesn't elevate itself as a movie I guess
1: yeah and I think part of that is a little bit of like lack of visual consistency or kind of like almost like character theme there's like many different types of robots in the movie and stuff and you don't kind of like establish like this is Jung E's robot they're presenting to us yeah. like you get in the Jaegers and Pacific Rim for example
0: also like Jung E, for about 80% of the time is basically just a person
1: yeah it's true
0: and also it like Jung like I said, it, it sort of pulls on like four or five different threads and like that of things it could be and things it could explore and really only like truly succeeds at about two, two and a half of them. And so I, I, I that's not to the movie's credit, unfortunately. Um, it wasn't a bad time. I enjoyed it, um, but it didn't, the parts of it didn't really fit together all that well. So for and for that reason, it comes in below upgrade, below be more chill, below Pacific Rim, and others. Agreed. Uh, so I don't think this would be clinical neurology. I think given the last minute reveal of of holy crap, she remembers that she has a daughter, even though that that line item has been deleted. I feel like that pushes this into memory.
1: You're gonna put this in the memory category. I mean, yeah. the whole thing yeah. is literally transferring. Like consciousness transfer touches on memory a lot more than like pure BCI. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll buy it. But it's not looking good for it on the memory queue because the memory movies happen to be particularly strong movies. In my yeah, <laughs>
0: this is, and you know, the thing is, it's like sometimes when we do these secondary characteristics, we tend to be more kind because it's like, oh, well, maybe it wasn't that good of a movie, but it succeeded in this secondary characteristic more so than these others. And even given that benefit, it only is able to leapfrog one movie that it was below in BCI. Sure. It comes in for me at six of eight in memory. This is just because you hated men against fire. Yeah. I didn't like that. And I truly, you know, the thing is it's been long enough that I don't actually remember. why I didn't like it that much. Cause like, I remember like the broad aspects of that episode and like, I don't know why I didn't like it. There's a lot of <laughs> eugenics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that might be part of it. But given that it's Black Mirror, it's like I—I I would think that I would have known what I was in for. I—I I, I don't know. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, this came out of eight, eight out of eight for me on memory. Um, yes, even below Total Recall, <laughs> which, like, at least to me, kind of like Total Recall recognized what itself was. That makes sense. Like, and I think Joongi lost itself a little bit. Or tried to be too many things. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep, I agree with that. So I think that's it. I, I think this movie has been an, a, a really useful framework to talk about some things that we that we haven't really talked about much on this podcast yet, despite the fact that uh neuroethics and and data are very important. Sure. And so I'm I'm glad we watched this. That was nice. Again, like I said, I don't think it, I mean, I didn't have a bad time watching. Agreed. It was watchable. It was entertaining.
1: I wouldn't typically choose it. And I think I could like randomly pick a movie for myself that I think I would like more. But it was fine. Yep.
0: Okay. <laughs> so, so we're coming to the end of our episode here on Jung e uh, Nick, um, this movie gave us a lot to chew on. Uh, what mm-hmm, what mm-hmm. do you think our takeaways are here?
1: Uh, I I think we really like need together to be thinking about neuroethics. I think it's like great uh, that more companies are picking up neuroethicists to like work on their projects uh, in the early stages of development, but kind of like the issue is with ethics all the time. You know, it's the companies who are not picking up the neuroethicists that are the problem. (laughs) Like the people who are going to pick them up anyway are probably doing well enough uh, at trying to like build things that are equitable and fair and like good for the consumer. So I guess my like parting words are like, you know, be careful, like who has access to your brain data and try to like work at ways to uh, make that a private thing that you own and can control.
0: And if you don't, you just might find your neural clone getting f***ed by a random engineer at a nefarious neurotech company. <laughs> <laughs> Most of us don't want that. Most of us. <laughs> Somebody out there's like, "Don't threaten me with a good time." Yeah,
1: exactly.
0: <laughs> We're not trying to kink shame anyone. If that is anyone's kink, please don't cancel us. <laughs>
1: yeah, go for
0: it. <laughs> so, uh, thank you, Nick, for joining me uh, on this episode. Uh, this was a stimulating discussion and uh, uh, thank you for suggesting this movie as well. Anytime Netflix suggested it really. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, thank you to the audience for uh, listening for for listening in. Um, we hope you found this interesting. If you any of you have any questions or concerns, uh, you know, feel free to email narrativespodcast at gmail.com, N-E-U-R-R-A-T-I-V-E-S podcast at gmail.com. Or at Nick, uh, because he is still rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic that is Twitter at the moment. I do have a Twitter, but I also have a Mastodon.
1: Oh. Yeah. Nick Halper at Neuromatch Social.
0: Okay. (laughs) Excellent. So um, always feel free to reach out there. Um, Again, thank you all, and we'll see you next time.
1: said milf at some point so there's that (laughs) i did i did i mean it is like is literally accurate (laughs) like that is what they are selling is a literal milf